Good morning, Reach Church. All right, if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can do that. Miss Adele is going to take them back. There we go. <laughs> All right. All right, so we are once again in Galatians. We are moving through Galatians, seeing, uh, first of all, the astonishing truth of the gospel, and then the astonishing reality that we can very easily abandon that gospel, go to go back to, to slavery to works, to slavery to the law, to slavery to trying to prove to our, to our God that we deserve to be saved by him instead of receiving what Jesus Christ has already done for us. Now, we're in the midst of this kind of uh, very theological argument that Paul is trying to give, trying to prove that the whole Bible is about nothing but Jesus, that it, we're saved by grace, we're saved by faith, that we have peace with God through Jesus, that we have nothing that we owe to him in the finished work of Jesus. But this week, uh, it almost feels like Paul's given us a break. So he, we've been doing all this like pretty heavy theology, and then he kind of, in the middle of it, has this very personal interaction with the Galatian church. And it's kind of pleading with them and trying to, approaching them almost like an emotional, personal level. Like pleading that they would come back to Christ, that they would come back to the reality of Christ and the joy and the blessedness that that, that brings. And in this, uh, a lot of you have had questions about how we're supposed to address people uh, who seem like they're, they're far from Christ, who feel like they are maybe stuck in their sin, how are we supposed to rebuke if the gospel is all about grace? What does it look like to, to call someone to following Jesus once again? And I think that's, that's actually so clearly what the message is here. In this passage, you can see like the emotional tone of the rebuke of the arguments that he uses. And it's very different than just the like, hey, you're sinning, you need to get over that. You need to try harder. It doesn't fall back to legalism. It doesn't fall back to works. It doesn't compromise the gospel of Jesus. It actually calls people to live in the midst of it. So today we're going to look at uh, kind of three aspects of what it looks like to rebuke someone. Uh, first, we're drawing people into our freedom that we have experienced. We're calling people to freedom. Second, we're calling people back to blessedness. To blessedness. Not to obedience, not to righteousness. We're calling people back to blessedness. And finally, we are forming Christ in them. We are forming Christ in them. We're not forming Pharisees in them. We're not forming a moralist or a legalist in them. We are forming Christ in them. So with that in mind... Uh, I hope that this, is, this feels different than how we often talk about confronting one another. There's, there's a beauty in the gospel, and we can do this in a really compelling, compassionate, kind of nothing but Jesus kind of way. So let's turn to Galatians 4, verses 12 through 20. Galatians 4. It should be up on the screen. Thank you, Aaron. Galatians 4, verses 12 through 20. And read with me. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, 
He did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged your eyes out and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would make us a people who who sees sin or who sees legalism and would not first go to, to judgment or condemnation, but instead that we would invite people back to Jesus, that we would invite people back to grace and to the blessedness of the gospel, and that we'd form Christ in people, not calling them to be slaves or to be righteous on their own account. Father, I ask that... Um, this would really change how we think about how we confront sin and how we address one another when we see sin in each other's lives. Father, we long to, to form Christ in one another and to be an encouragement to bring blessing. And so, would you shape us? Would you change us? Holy Spirit, would you use this message and would you use your word that we may encourage one another in Jesus and nothing but Jesus? We pray in his name. Amen. All right, so this first aspect. If we're going to confront other people, if we're going to confront fellow, fellow believers, this is mostly fellow believers, uh, the rebuke is going to start by drawing people into the freedom that we already know in, in Jesus Christ. That we have a freedom and we're, we're inviting other people to join us in that freedom. Freedom from the law, freedom from works, freedom from self-righteousness, freedom from sin. All right, look at verse 12. Brothers. First, it's brothers. This is not not you there. It's not telling them sinners. It's brothers. He's already one with them. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Now, when he says become as I am, what is Paul saying there? Become as I am. He just talked about how by faith you become an heir, a son. You receive the inheritance of of Abraham, that he has freedom from the law. He's inviting them into that, that freedom. Freedom from bondage to the law, freedom from slavery, freedom from trying to earn your way to, to God or prove that you are good enough before him, to live as a son and a perfect son in Christ. Right, but he does that. For I also have become as you are. And this is where there's a tone and a spirit behind kind of calling people towards Christ. And it's saying, okay, I, I in my freedom, in the freedom that I have in Christ, I chose to become as you are. I became like you. Now in Paul's instance, he became a Gentile to the Gentiles. We see him say that. He says, I became a, a Gentile to the Gentiles to win the Gentiles. 
And so what did it look like to become like them? So he would have, he would have eaten their food. All right, that, that's not too hard. He had to eat bacon and, and lobster and all that stuff, you know. So he, he willingly did that as a sacrifice. He ate with them. But the fact that he was a Jew eating with Gentiles, he was, he was persecuted for the fact that he did that. He was despised for that. And yet here he is dressing like they did, wearing their clothes, cutting his hair, entering into their, their relationships and calling them brothers. Not calling them Gentile heathens, but no, really entering into their lives because he had freedom to do that. And that there's something really compelling to enter someone's life and, and draw close to them because we have freedom to do so. We're not afraid of getting defiled. We're not afraid of their sin. We can really draw close. And then we can say, once we're there, now join me in the freedom that I have. Join me in the freedom that I have from Christ. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from shame. Freedom from the, the burdens of not being a good enough Christian. The freedom of being, being perfect in Christ. Now these Judaizers, the, the legalists, they could not do that. That when they came to the Galatian church, what did they say? They said, hey, hey, you Gentiles, we are law-abiding Jews. Like, come over here. Come over here and, and join us in our holiness. We're, we're not going to move towards you. We're not going to defile ourselves. Now, was there any real defilement that was going to happen? No. But they had to protect this like, kind of legal bubble that they had around themselves and so they couldn't move close, and they had to say, you know, come over here. You change, come over and be with me, and you can be holy as I am. Right, there's something pretty gross about that, and so superior, and we realize that just isn't how Jesus did ministry. We think of Jesus, and we think of the guy who was rebuked for eating with, with sinners and tax collectors, not afraid to be defiled by them. He, their sin wasn't going to rub off on them. They needed, they needed salvation. And so he went to them to give them that freedom. We see him speaking to, to prostitutes and adulterous women and to those who are bleeding and those who are lepers. And he moves forward and then, then draws people in. All right, so what does this look like? This is the difference between the person who says, like, oh, there's a, there's a wild party next door. We, we, should, we need to stay away from that. Versus, like, hey, I think there's a bunch of wild partiers over there. They probably need Jesus. Let's go. <laughs> All right, and that's the freedom that we have. Like, we are not going to be defiled by that. We go because, like, oh, like, let's, let's go be Jesus to those people. And how beautiful to enter in in freedom and then try, tell people, like, hey, there's there's even greater freedom in Christ. That's what we're calling people to. And that's freedom from the law, and that's freedom from sin. Now we say, okay, we get the kind of the freedom from the law. The law is burdensome, but we say, oh, freedom from sin, but people, people like sin. They feel free in sin. Like, the reality is that that's not what sin does. Sin enslaves. And so we don't tell people to, to run from sin for the sake of your obedience or your righteousness. No, for the freedom that is involved in, in being free from the sin that entangles. And we invite people and say, like, hey, no, there, there's greater freedom in Christ. 
all the things that you're pursuing in sin, the hope, the love, the joy, all of those things can be found in Christ and are given freely. You don't have to sell your soul to get them. We're inviting people into freedom. Last week we talked about how, how both the law and sin have the exact same root. It's all just trying to get things from a God that, that's never going to give it to them. And that's where Jesus is always the solution. He is the freedom from sin and from the law. We're inviting people to that freedom. All right, second, second. So Paul gives, gives freedom, and second, he calls them to back to Jesus, not to restore them to their faithfulness or their obedience or their righteousness. Well, he calls them back to Jesus to restore them to blessedness. To blessedness. Now, what is that? That's, a, that's an ugly word. Uh, it's a little messy sounding. Blessedness. So to, to be in the state of being blessed. Uh, <laughs> to be a person who, like, who's received favor from God. We often see this, this talked about in the Old Testament, like that God put his favor on them. They're just blessed by God. And to be in a state of like this blessing just overwhelming. It's usually talked about in the context of Abraham, the blessing that was given to Abraham, and like, hey, you can enter into all of the blessing of God to be chosen out of all of people to, to be loved and delighted in by God. Blessedness. And what Paul does, he talks, he talks to the Galatians about when he first met them and the blessedness that ensued. So first, uh, you did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. All right, so we know that Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about how he had this like continuous kind of ailment that he calls it the thorn in his side, the thorn in his flesh. He wasn't a healthy guy. And so it seems like he was going through his, his missionary adventures, uh, and he gets sick on the way and has to stop in Galatia. He wouldn't have gone there originally. And so here is this broken, weak, sick man presented to this Galatian city. And because of that circumstance, he was able to preach the gospel to them. And he mentions how it'd be really easy to despise him in his condition. He wasn't attractive. He was a burden to them. But they didn't receive him as a burden. Instead, they received him as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus, because he was the messenger bringing them the gospel. We see that verse, that how beautiful are the feet are those who bring good news. They receive him as an angel, as Jesus Christ himself, because he gives them the, the beauty of the gospel. And they felt the blessedness of receiving the gospel. And what does it create in them? They... They just delight in Paul. And they treat him as an angel. They, they are overwhelmed with, with joy and generosity. It says so much that they, they would gouge their eyes out and give them to him. That's the blessedness that they felt. Now, when have you ever felt like, you know, I've, I've received so much from you. Like, here, take my eyes in return. <laughs> All right, that's how they felt. That's how they understood the gospel. Because that is the beauty of the gospel. Like, hey, here's, here's eternal life. Here's perfection before God for nothing 
All you have to do is believe. All you need is, is faith in Christ. All of the, the sacrifices, all of the ritual, all the guilt and shame that you've ever felt in your whole life, you can just, you can give it up and receive perfection in Jesus. And they receive this like broken, sick man as an angel because of what he'd given them. Now there's theories that Paul might have had eye problems, which is why it, sp- it speaks about the, the gouging out of their eyes, that that might have been the illness. That like, here, take, take our eyes. If, what could we possibly repay? And what, why is Paul saying this? He's saying this to remind them of, of where they stood in the gospel for. How grateful they really were. How blessed they knew themselves to be. What has become of your blessedness? Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? And this is where Paul, it it gets emotional. He's pleading with them, like, what happened to all that joy? Not, what happened to all of your obedience? What happened to all of your righteousness? Even what happened to all of your faith? No, what happened to your blessedness? What happened to all that joy? Now, that's the kind of rebuke that is, is really beautiful. It's not saying, like, why aren't you trying harder? It's saying, like, what, what happened to all the, the truth that you received in Jesus and you used to live out of and used to make you these people who were just gushing and abundant and full? Now, first I ask you, what has become of your blessedness? What has become of your blessedness? Where do you stand in Jesus? Are you feeling the blessedness of the cross? First, first, personally. Are you seeing this reality? Are you living in the midst of it? We can grow cold to it, but also we can just get bogged down by the law, and we forget how beautiful the gospel really is. You owe nothing to God. Because it wasn't about owing anything. It was about receiving Jesus Christ, nothing but Jesus. Living out of that freedom. Living out of that joy. Feeling the blessedness of being in Christ. But then second, second, what are you calling other people to? If you see them in sin or you see them kind of bound and, and in trial, what are you calling them back to? Are you using this like, where is your blessedness? Where is your blessedness? Remember the cross. Remember where you stand in Jesus. Remember the eternal realities. Remember the truth. That's the way that people rebuke in Jesus. Not, hey, you might not be a Christian today because look at, look at what you're doing. But, like, remember why this is all such a beautiful calling. Now, finally, finally, Paul speaks to the, the ultimate motive he has in coming to the Galatians. And he says that, I do all of this, I do all of this to form Christ in you. To form Christ in you. And then he goes back and he talks, okay, the, the Jewish legalists who have kind of infiltrated the Galatian church, why do they do it? Why are they so interested in you all and your church? Verse 17. They make much of you, but for no purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. 
All right, so why are the Jewish leaders so into the Galatians? Well, first, they're shutting the door on grace and faith and Jesus Christ so that they can seek salvation, not in Jesus, but can go around and seek salvation in them, in their teachings, in their plan of holiness and righteousness. That's what they're offering. So that, so that they can be the big Jesus. So they can be the fancy pants, good Christians who know how to really find salvation and have the exclusive plan so that they'll be enslaved to their teaching, their law, their legalism. Basically, they've invented a, a way of salvation so that they're the only ones who are winning. Now, I think I, we naturally see how awful that is to close the door on Christ and to look for worship from people. All right. This is where we have to be honest with our hearts. Oftentimes, when we rebuke other people, when we judge them and we feel like, oh, like they, they really need help, is it for us or is it for them or is it for Jesus? I think we have to admit sometimes it's for us. So that we feel like, oh, we're, we're, we're really helpful in their lives. We know the law and we know we can identify sin. And maybe even, we, yeah, we have a great plan for your life. You know, I'm going to be your guru today and prove that, like, you know, I have all this righteousness to give here. All right, first of all, it's just incredibly selfish because Jesus deserves all the worship, but also, like, the goal is not to make people righteous by works. It has never been the, that has never been the goal. And you don't need to feel that burden when you see other people's sin. Your burden is not to make sure that they're righteous enough. If you have any burden, it's, it's to form Christ in them. Verse 18. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, but not only when I am present with you, my, child, my little children for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. All right, so what is Paul saying here? That's a little, that's a little awkward. Um, so he's saying, you know, okay, yeah, they're, they're zealous for you. They are super into, into teaching you and helping you. He's like, but you know what? I am too. And when I relate to you, I don't relate to you as kind of on top trying to get a bunch of glory. I relate to you as a mother. A mother in anguish giving birth to Christ in you. All right, this is not a fun image. He realized, like, I'm, I'm totally beaten up by this whole process. All right, you see the, the mother holding her baby after she always looks all battered and, like, <laughs> she just went through a hard time. <laughs> and that's who Paul is. Paul is the one who's like, yeah, I, I sit here and suffer for you, not so that I can be the good one, and not so that you can be so righteous, no, but so that Christ could be formed in you. And that's where when we see, when we see other people's sin or other people's legalism, we don't say, oh, how can I help you be better? No, it's like, how can I form Christ in you? And the reality is, you can't form Christ in someone by telling them the law. You can't form Christ in someone by telling them, you know, you should try harder, try a little harder tomorrow. What, what do you have to do? You have to point them back to Jesus. 
and point them back to faith and the cross and the Spirit, pointing them back to the reality of the gospel. If that's your goal, to form Christ in them, you're going to approach people very differently. Because you, in and of yourself, cannot rebuke someone into forming Christ, into the perfection of Christ. You need to give them the truth of who Jesus is, and Jesus can do that. Now, uh, now you're going to ask me, okay, uh, and I had to ask myself this, like, all right, is this really how we're supposed to address people who are, first of all, like kind of enslaved to the law or enslaved in sin? Because we have other examples where Paul does, does rebuke and we see church discipline and all that stuff. Now, just real quick, the, the process of church discipline, we are called to rebuke each other when we see each other in sin. Now, why do we do that? The goal of that whole process is that people would see that their sin is really sin. That's the whole process of church discipline. That's actually the, the, really the only thing that happens in church discipline. The church discipline is, and, like, and rebuke in this sense is for people who are doing something and don't realize it's sin, and we say, hey, you know what, that, that actually is sin, you, you should stop that. Now, once they have seen it and admitted it, the whole process stops. It really only escalates if this person is saying, like, no, my, my affair is actually great, and I think God loves it, and I'm going to do it anyway because I don't think it's sin. All right, that's the person who keeps going up in the ranks and like, okay, you're, you're going you're to be kicked out of the church for this because you're calling sin good. But if in that process someone repents and says, you know what, yeah, it is sin, then what happens? At that point, they get Jesus and nothing but Jesus. They're pointed back to Jesus and, and told like, hey, you need freedom from, from your sin and you need... You need to be restored to the blessedness that you had in the gospel of Jesus. You know, this heavy rebuke with the law is not for people who are struggling and just like, I'm just committing the same sin and I can't seem to get over it. They don't need the law. They don't need church discipline. They need Jesus. They need freedom and blessedness. Now, for the person who just has so much sin in their lives and it seems like they're just a total mess, but they know it, those people don't need the law, don't need to be rebuked. They, they know what the sin is. What do they need? They need Jesus. They need freedom and they need blessedness. They need Christ formed in them, that they would love Christ more than their sin. That's our goal. So yeah, there is a place for that, but it's actually a pretty narrow place. Everything else, once you've admitted your sin is sin, it's all about Jesus. Now that's where, there's this, there's this uh, what's his name? What's his name? Yeah, you don't know who I'm talking about. Who's the, who's the new life guy? Jack, Jack, Jack Miller. Yeah, Jack Miller. All right. He, he speaks about like, his, his way of like rebuking people is like when people just seem like frustrated and like, oh, he's like, hey, like you're missing Jesus. Like, have you have you forgot about the blessedness you have in Jesus? You forgot about how amazing He is and your your salvation that's in Him. 
And then other people would do that to him, like, hey, you seem bogged down. You need Jesus. Not like, hey, you're being a jerk today. <laughs> they probably know. They need Jesus. So that's the difference. So give people freedom. Give people blessedness. Form Christ in them, not legalists in them. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Questions? Questions? Leah. Yeah. Right. And yet it's like blessed are the poor in spirit. Like what? And when you know blessings are given in the that's a big question and not one I anticipated. Yeah. Uh well well, the question was, uh, define blessedness, define to be, to have the blessing of God. Like, what does that mean? What are we really saying? Um, I'd say it's confusing because in the Old Testament, there tends to be a conflation of material and spiritual, and that the, the material would point forward to the spiritual. And so, like, when Abraham was blessed... He was also given riches, you know, and it, it was reflected so that people could see the blessing of God. Now, Jesus says that in the New Testament, it doesn't actually work that way. That because of the, it's not a, it's not a physical kingdom anymore, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not so material, it's spiritual. And that's so these are the blessings that are in Christ. I'd say namely blessings like Righteousness, eternal life, sanctification, glorification, adoption, your inheritance in heaven, joy, Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, all these things. So I think we could talk about this for, we could list all the blessings that we have found in Christ uh, for days and days and days. And so it's all those things that are given in Christ, I would say. Yes. Is it spiritual? <laughs> Leah, you want to be like simple and succinct? Okay, good. Yes. So it's spiritual favor in Christ. I'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was roundabout. Any other questions? Yeah. Darn, right? <laughs> Go ahead, Jan.
because the answer has been no, I'm not taking it from you. I, I sort of felt like, okay, I have to back up because, like, saying a bowl of mushrooms is sufficient for you, that, like, creates fat and doesn't feel, like, what else besides I just started praying that he would love Jesus as well as he can where Jesus has him as a saint. Right. Like, is right. That Well, there's a magic bullet, and, and once you find it, it's in there somewhere, and you just say that thing. Uh, yeah, there, there, isn't, there isn't the silver bullet um, that'll kill the werewolf of sin or wherever that is. Um, I think we're praying for more than just freedom from, from sin. We're praying for the reality of Jesus to like form the whole identity so that the joy of Christ is so palpable and like I, I would love Jesus more than I would love even these expressions of my identity and who I am and like I'm willing to, like I really like my eyes and the Galatians liked their eyes but they were willing to gouge them out and that's where like at some point we're saying like, hey, there's going to be things that need to be gouged out of your life that feel like they're supposed to be there and like that's incredibly difficult but we're calling them to blessedness and that only blessedness will call them to do that, not, hey, you're bad until you don't. Does that make sense, Jan? Yes. I don't know how to get them to that point, you know? Right. Well, and the, the mother in travail just, like, resonates because, you know, watching someone you love go through, and then having no words left to say is maybe where she's going to, even though I have no words left to say. Right. Lean on him. Right. And you're in the anguish of childbirth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're forming Christ, not, not a, a, a works righteousness. Absolutely. All right. Rob. <laughs> I was going to say Robert, but that's not your name. So I was going to, yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> Right. What is true and what is right. And not kind of getting yourself caught in this versus arrogance, kind of caught into a thing where you're kind of compromising go along because you've got this master plan. Right. That there's going to be a moment. You know, right. Like it's always reminded me of like the Woody Allen film, you know, like the chameleon, where the guy just becomes, you know, the person or whoever he's with. It feels false. Okay. Right. 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 And how do you avoid becoming false and just saying this where I'm going to message it this way? Right. All right, so, yeah, that's, there's a couple different compromises which would be possible. There's compromising in the sense of I've compromised my, my like, glorifying of God because I am purposefully sinning to try to... All right, I think that's, that's a compromising of that's not on the table. We don't do that. Um, there's also, which our culture, I think, would, would be really upset about is compromising our, like, true personal self and identity... Um, and I think we need to be careful about that, that that's actually a little more moldable than we, we kind of act like, oh, like, no, I, I dress preppy, so if I put on a, a you know, a black, pol- like, black clothes and went to go hang out with the emo kids, then I'd be fake, you know? Uh, but those things aren't set in stone, and that's kind of what Paul did. He was a Jew going to Gentiles. Um, 
But I think ultimately, I think it's you're willing to be with sinners and tax collectors. And you're willing to be around their sin. You're not participating in their sin. But like you're bringing the freedom that you have to them. Um, I think oftentimes when we're with like bad people, we feel like, oh, like now I'm, now I'm bad or like, oh, these, these words are going into my ears and corrupting me. Like, maybe not. And maybe we have freedom to enter in and not be, kids, please don't do that. Um, you're, not, you're not mature enough to do that. Adults, I think you are. And go to the party and, and be free in Christ and give them freedom. Yeah. Does that make sense, Rob? I know, I know. Where you end that, yeah. Those examples. Right. When you see that somebody lied to you and they're asking you for it, like they're sharing, where do you not compromise and not speak the truth and say, well, that's something I'll never do. Right. Or where do you hold back and go, oh, that'll jeopardize the whole thing of bringing them back if you just drop truth bombs on them all the time. Right, right. Expressing the truth in love is a wisdom difficulty and yeah it's hard it's hard i kind of like these questions because it shows us the like the grayness of loving people it's not this like black and white like hey i know the truth and i'm going to tell you the truth always when i'm supposed to it's yeah it's difficult we have to wisely love people be like oh are they ready for this do they need to be rebuked in this area right now or do they need to hear the gospel? Do they need to hear their grace? Where, where are they really at? And that's where loving people is really difficult. And knowing when to speak truth and not just crush them is also really difficult. So let's pray for the Holy Spirit, right? All right. Any other questions? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have. We, we thank you for the blessedness we have. We thank you that You've not called us to be formed into, into Pharisees, into perfect Christians. You've, been called, you've called us to be formed into Christ, and you are, you are doing that work. You've done that work when we put our faith in you. And Father, we ask that we would never be willing to, to give people shame or guilt or legalism or moralism, but that we call people back to Jesus. Father, would you give us the wisdom in knowing how to do that, how to do it without compromising our witness, how to do it without causing you dishonor. Father, help us. And give us, give us more and more Jesus that we would feel the blessedness that we would share with others. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.